running stretch play to Keys, who bounces to the outside, gets to the five, get a first down to the two. Did he get in? Yes, touchdown, Alito Bearcat. And we welcome you to the Alito Coaches podcast show here on 92.1 Hank FM. A very special edition for this week's episode. A couple big week coming up, too, for the Bearcats as they begin pursuit of their 12th state championship Thursday night at Tim Buchanan Stadium against the Shoemaker Wolves out of Colleen. 6.30 is the pregame show on Hank FM. 7 o'clock is the kickoff. But this is a special three-segment uh, podcast this week. We're going to have, obviously, Coach Robbie Jones with us. Then we're going to be joined by the present and the future of the uh, quarterback situation here for the Bearcats. That's going to be Haas Haney and then Gavin Beard. And then in our third segment, we're going to celebrate the cross-country teams who had a dynamic performance down at Round Rock at Old Settlers Park as the girls were the state runners-up and the boys finished 10th, celebrating their great season. We're going to have head coach Mike Pinkerton on along with several of the runners talking about what this season was like for them. And we'll go through so many different things as they're going through. Okay, so let's, Coach, let's just start talking about uh, for your game as you all finished up the regular season at 10-0 with a 59-13 victory over the Brewer Bears. And uh, I think if you had asked if a script could have gone any better without any Haas Haney or without Ray Guillory, your two dynamic offensive players, I think you couldn't have asked for a better way for it to go. No, we would have liked to have had a lot better start. You know, we didn't have a very good start in the first half, but then we came back, we regrouped at halftime. Uh, came out with a, a little bit more energy. We really looked kind of rusty. Uh, I said it, you know, uh, after the game, I think, you know, we looked like we were slow. Mm-hmm. We looked slow. We weren't playing fast. We weren't playing, you know, the way we we're supposed to play. And we went in, regrouped. You know, the guys realized, you know, hey, we got to refocus here. And then we came out with a lot better the second half. Yeah, I was going to say that the way, I mean, even though you guys scored on your first possession of the game because you had a short field to work with, 39 yards, I think it was, but I think from that point all the way through to the end of the first half was was the sluggishness that you talked about there, just not executing the way you wanted to. But then, you know, whatever the inspirational talk was at halftime, the third quarter, I mean, you guys were perfect. And then, of course, you all scored all five times you touched the football in the second half, minus the kneel downs at the end and running out the last couple of minutes. Right, you know, and, that, and that's what we... Uh want to do every every game you know we don't want to send the punt team out there you know i hate having a call for the punt team uh we want to go out and we want to put points on the board every time we have the football so let's just talk about the fact that you knew that you weren't going to have Haas this week but uh, you know you have to get gavin beard ready and the one thing that gavin did show you throughout the course of this season is the fact that he could handle the varsity stage because you put him in enough games put him in the opener against parish episcopal but then you kind of worked it weaved his way through the season giving him snaps here half here quarter here that sort of thing but then getting ready for his start what was important for you to get him ready for this you know but what you talked about we've been working in a little bit you know here and there throughout the year especially you know in the first half you know because you get those mop-up uh snaps and and they're they're not as meaningful as they are in in the first half so we were trying to do that early because we wanted to make sure that if he ever had to start for us, you know, he had some, you know, big-time game-type experience uh, so he can go in there and, and maybe be a little bit more relaxed. The speed of it, because the fact that he had seen it so many times throughout the course of the season, seemed like that really wasn't an issue for him because of so much of what he had gone through. No, and, and Gavin's a good quarterback. You know, Gavin would be starting uh, for a lot of people. Uh, and we're going to be very fortunate to have him for the next two years. So, you know, the speed of the game was not, you know, too big for him. You know, he, he came in and, and did a great job for us. 
Minus a couple of verticals here and there, it looked like the, it was pretty much of a safe approach with the passing game with them. Some swing outs, dumps over the middle, some screens, tunnel screens to Trace Clarkson. What was kind of the approach or how you wanted to attack, use him in the passing game for yeah, this one? I mean, we basically he took what they were giving us. You know, uh, they were giving us the underneath stuff. They had a, a deep safety in the middle of the field most of the game, so they were trying to take away the, the deep balls. And so he just took what was available for us and uh, did a good job managing the game. Defensively, you all really shut them down. I mean, they had the one big vertical there at, at the end when they scored their second touchdown, but pretty much they were shut down. I, I would imagine, you know, minus not getting a turnover, but you had to like the way your defense was just limiting them for anything they attempted to do. Yeah, defense did a really good job. You know, our secondary was playing well from the get-go. It took a little bit uh, a time for our defensive line to, to get back up to speed. You know, that was part of what I was talking about, not playing fast. Right. Uh, it looked like early, you know, the quarterback had a couple of scrambles. And, and he was getting big yards on plays where normally if we're playing at the speed we normally play, those weren't happening. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, and those were really like their two biggest running plays of the night was when Clark was, was, was rolling the pocket to his right and there wasn't anything there and he was getting chased. Then he had to reverse his field and then just that turned into a, a broken play. Right, yeah, you know, and, and that's what it was. It was him scrambling around making a play and, and we had some bad angles, uh, didn't do things the way we should be doing them. And it turned into first downs for them and then extended drives, which kept the ball away from our offense. Now, you've had two years with this bye on the 10th week of the season because you play in week 11. But what did you take away from these two buys and how late they were in the season and how you get your team ready for a game the following week when you know that there's more to play? What did you think of it? Right. You know, I, I don't like to buy that late. You know, the, the good thing about it, it came at a time where we needed to rest some people. Mm -hmm. uh, so we got some people some rest, you know, going into the playoffs. Uh, we showed up a little bit rusty, you know, the first half of uh, last week's game. But, you know, we've got that out of the way. I thought our practice this week was a lot better than what we had last week. I think the kids see the urgency. You know, when we get to the playoffs, you know, they, they kind of crank it up a little bit, and, and they did that this week. Is that just an instinctive thing? Do they have to be told? I mean, of course, we've seen this for so many years here with this program, but what's kind of like the approach from the coaching staff when the calendar flips to the postseason? Yeah, I think the kids just realize it. The kids know that, hey, this is this is for real now. You know, it, it's not a district game. It's not a preseason game. It's, it's do or die, and, and they come in, and they have a little bit better approach. And every opponent, you got to respect every opponent. And this week's opponent's no, no different. You know, even though they're a fourth-place team, they were picked to possibly win the district. They, they were mentioned as possibly, you know, vying for the district championship. And Coach Foreman, when I talked to him uh, last week, he was telling me that, you know, when they lost those three games, they had some of their key players were out. Right. And now they're healthy, and he's saying they're playing their best football that they've ever played. And it's indicated in the fact that the last two weeks, they have set school records in points scored. Yeah, 75-7 to in their finale against Granbury last week. That was played on Thursday night, I think it was. And so, um, But for the status, you know, you talked about injuries. Okay, so let's talk about the status of a couple of your guys this week. Again, you didn't have Haas Haney. You didn't have Ray Guillory last week against Brewer. What's each of their status for this coming week against Shoemaker? Right now, it looks like Haas is good to go. Uh, Haas is, is good. He practiced today, uh, looked good, felt good. Uh, Ray, we didn't get to see Ray today. Uh, so there's a big question mark with Ray. You know, it looks like probably not uh, going to play, uh, but we'll see. If that's the case where you don't have Ray for Thursday night, would it be similar to what we saw against Brewer, where a combination of Hawk Daniels, Caden Wingfield, and obviously Haas coming back in changes the running dynamic too. Uh, would it be something along those lines? Yeah, it would be real similar. You know, uh, Hawk, Hawk's getting the first 
running back reps. Then you have uh, Winkfield, and then you you always have Devon Keys as a possibility. You know, right. and, and we talked about it when we were game planning this week that hey, listen, if we need it, you know, Devon can get 10, 12 carries if need be. And as far as just getting back to Caden Winkfield for a second, was this was this a young man that you felt like? Because the idea was that he was going to be on JV, and then you all had to pull him up to the varsity. But because of what you've seen out of him, is he a guy that you feel like you can hand, you can give him seven to ten carries in any game moving forward and not feel and not blink? I guess is what I'm trying to say. Right. Yeah. We can put him in there at any time. Uh, and then you know you also saw R.J. Blake, who was injured most of the year, right? And R.J. got in there and had some pretty good carries. So you know I'm, I'm not afraid to put R.J. in the game. You know because uh, he's going to go run the ball hard and go pick up some yards for us. Okay, so everybody on offense seems to be in that position where they seem to be, well, obviously we'll find out about Ray Guillory this, later this week. But defensively, knock on wood, everybody's back. Everybody's good, minus Cooper Cyphers, who's still out for a few weeks. But, you go, of course, you got Carson Dempsey back. But defensively, the way this group has held up and the way that it's played, what's kind of been the common denominator with this defensive unit in your mind? Well, our consistency with the defense, that's always been the case with our defense. You know, the guys that we have over there on defense, they're, they're very reliable guys. You can count on them to, to show up every day and do what they're expected to do and, and go out and make plays, and that's what they've been doing this year. Uh, the front, we've talked about it so many times where you've rotated about five defensive tackles through. Maybe it's even expanded beyond that, but what have you seen from – all these younger guys that have gotten so much burn. You know, oh, McIntyre, uh, Taylor, yeah. for, you know, Taylor, that sort of thing. You know? they, they've grown up over the years. So, you know, they're not the young guys that, that were inexperienced. They're experienced guys now, you know, and, and they've been through big football games. So going into the playoffs, you know, they know what to expect. And, you know, they've been just real, like I said a minute ago, real consistent. You know, we've, we've got a lot of guys that we've been rotating in there and everybody stepping up and making plays. And that's going to be the key here as we uh, look ahead to the Shoemaker Wolves. They're 7-3 and three under head coach Toby Foreman. Now, Alito won this game last year 37 to nothing. I think we were more surprised by how that game unfolded. This is a very explosive offense in District 4-5A. They led the district and average yards per game at 514. They also led it in rushing yardage at 302 on the ground. And when, and that's why I brought this up with them because of what your defensive front against an explosive and a very physical running attack that the Wolves bring. What's your what's your thinking about that? Yeah, I mean, that's that's always been a key for our defense is being able to stop people's run game. And that's going to be, you know, big time this week. You know, they run a, a lot of stretch plays, uh, quarterback down, uh, that we run, then they also run a lot of counters, and then they, you know, mix in some play action with it. You know, a, a lot of their big runs have come with quarterback scrambles, and they play two different quarterbacks. They've got a senior uh, that started for them last year that played against us last year, but they really kind of, you know, and I'm, I'm at a loss for the name, number eight, uh, the sophomore quarterback has really come in and played more uh, than the senior has here recently. Yeah, and I think that name is Tyreek Wade, is yeah, the, the, the young man. And then, and in fact, in, in talking to the uh, Shoemaker coaches today, they were kind of, Jerome Malachi is the senior, by the way, uh, they were talking about that they weren't sure if uh, Malachi would be available for Thursday. I think they were going to have to probably make a decision later on in the week to see this. But I guess, you know, as you're getting ready to see, and if Wade, the sophomore, does get the start, or even if you see them both, how are they similar? How are they different? There's not a whole lot of difference between the two, to be honest with you. They, you know, it just basically you got to find the number to, to know which one's in there. Uh, and, you know, uh, and, and they've actually scored more points than they've ever scored the last two weeks with the sophomore running the show. Yeah, 75 points last week yeah. against uh, Granbury. And, of course, 
you know, with this team, as you were talking a few moments ago and talking to Coach Foreman that he's getting his guys back, you know, you looked at them on film last year, and then you look at them on film this year. What changed in terms of your evaluation of them? They look faster this year. You know, uh, that was the first thing that I noticed was they looked like they were a, a faster football team. You know, they, they're real similar to what they were last year. Of course, they got seven guys back on offense, so right. the offense looks almost the same. You know, but defensively and offensively, they look a lot faster. Okay, so on the flip side, as good as they are on offense, they're also the top defensive team in District 4-5A, allowing just 241 yards a game. Your thoughts about your offense going against what that unit presents? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we have uh, some pretty good matchups, you know, offensive line-wise, you know, secondary-wise with our receivers. You know, it's, it's going to be tough, uh, but I think we can match up pretty well with them. Okay, and then, of course, with what you want to do, depending on how Haas's uh, hamstring is in terms of how you want to use it, is this a case where you, if he's good to go and he tests things out, even in pregame warm-ups, how much would you want to try and use them in the running game? Or is that just going to be as the game goes that's, on? That's going to be as the game goes on. You know, if we can get an early lead, of course, you know, we'll, we'll hold off on, on running Hoss. You know, pretty much, you know, it'll have to be a scramble situation. But, if, you know, if we're in a tight game and he's feeling good, you know, then we'll use him a little bit in the running, back, running yeah. game. All right. And so, of course, with your ball club and the, all these things are – you know, there's so many expectations on this year after year, the scrutiny now, because everyone kind of assumes you're going to win this game. And, and that's probably unfair to you because that's also kind of unfair to Shoemaker, which, you know, they grind just like everybody, like every other program across the state of Texas. So what's been kind of your message to your team, even though it's enjoyed so much success over the years? You know, I, I've told them, look, you can't take anybody, you know, lightly. you got to go in with this. You know, this is a really good football team, and, and we've been – you know, harping on that. I even told them last week, hey, look, when, when Shoemaker comes in here next week, they're not just some, you know, easy victory for us. You know, this is going to be a, a difficult football game. Uh, it was only 37 to nothing last year. So, you know, we're expecting a, a similar situation this year where they're going to give us some problems uh, on both sides of the ball, and hopefully we can uh, come out on top. And then traditionally, whether, I know you, you talked about maybe playing this game on Friday, but you all have played this by-district playoff game on Thursdays, and so what is the advantage and disadvantage of playing it on a Thursday? You know, normally when you do that on a Thursday, you're, you're thinking that you're going to get a little bit weaker opponent. You know, that's not the case uh, this year. This is why I, I considered playing this one on Friday, uh, but, you know, I, I kind of went with uh, our traditional top deal. You know, I, I'm a traditionalist, and, you know, I, I, I like doing things the way we've always done them, and, you know, we've, we've been putting this game on Thursday, and what it will do is it will give our kids uh, – another day's rest for the second round. And, and, of course, you knew that you were going to be playing them two weeks ago, mm -hmm. so I would suspect that as you were preparing for Brewer, you also could do some things on the side getting ready for Shoemaker in the week leading up to Brewer and yep. even in your bye week. Yeah, we were looking at them a little bit. You know, we, we went ahead and traded video with Coach Foreman uh, last week, and we started seeing, you know, what they were doing defensively, what they were doing offensively, and we might have thrown a few uh, Shoemaker plays, you know, in the script when we were working against Brewer. And then, you know, uh, they, they run two different fronts defensively. They run a 3-4, and then they also run a 4-2. Well, we were working a 4-2 against Brewer last week. So, you know, the 4-2 stuff is, was already in place for last week. Now, this week we're focusing on making sure we can block a 3-2. Okay, so one quick question, too, about when we get to this time of year and coaches exchanging film. Is it pretty much changed over time? rather than just physically handing film, that you can just email film now. Yeah, you just, all you gotta do is click a couple of buttons on Huddle. Uh, <laughs> and, and you get basically all 10 of their football games are sent 
to us, and we send all 10 of ours to them. Is it start to finish, or is there bits and pieces of it? No, or how it's, it's, it's the whole video. Okay, so that's, so that's good to know. So you guys can break down everything. and so. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why nowadays, you know, used to you would send, you know, a middle school staff to, to go scout the game. You don't have to do that anymore. We, we had uh, three of our middle school coaches that went to their last two games. Uh, but, you know, you don't have to do that anymore because you're going to get the game film and, and you're going to get everything. Do you all actually have what is considered a quality control coach, the guys who cut the films down on other guys? NFL and college teams have it, but at the high school level, do you all actually have that? Or if you don't, how do you guys kind of break it down by player? Or is that, or how does no, that go it, about it, It's basically by the staff. You know, the offensive staff, uh, along with some of our middle school coaches, will get together, and they'll divide it up. Hey, I'm going to work on this game. You work on this game. Uh, you do the formations. I'll do the plays. Uh, then, you know, somebody will do the defensive front. Somebody will do the secondary coverage. You know, and then the defense will do something similar. The defense will be coming in, you know, labeling uh, – their offensive formations, their offensive plays, you know, and, and things like that. And it, it's, a, it's a group effort. You know, everybody's involved in it. Uh, the entire staff gets together, and everybody has a specific job in which they are, are, are accomplishing. And there you have why high school football coaches work 14-hour days during the course of the season because of all that stuff that you don't see behind the scenes. Coach, will look forward to it uh, this coming Thursday night. 6.30 is the pregame show on 92.1 Hank FM. The kickoff is at 7 o'clock. Coach, thanks so much for the time. All right, thank you. All right. On the second segment here, we're going to have the present and the future at the quarterback position for the Alito Bearcats. That's going to be senior Haas Haney and sophomore God, Gavin Beard. rather. Come right back here for the second segment of the KTFW High School Coaches podcast show right after this timeout. On this first and ten, high snap, throws it out to Daniels, who catches it outside the numbers, breaks a tackle, 40, 30, 15, 10, 5, and a touchdown for the Alito Bearcats. And that was the touchdown pass that our guest sitting to my far left, Gavin Beard, threw to Hawk Daniels, covered 46 yards on that. First time you've heard that, I bet, right, Gavin? <laughs> yes, sir. All right, there you go. All right, so let's talk here in our second segment, and of course, and we are brought to you by H5 Sports Barn. H5 Sports Barn, a knife physio and performance can help unlock your athletic potential and elevate your game like the Alito Bearcats with expert sports physical therapy, tailored recovery plans, and top-notch sports performance training. H5 Sports Barn, proud supporters of the Alito Bearcats. Our second segment always begins with the Alito alumni update. Cody Bradford, world champion for the Texas Rangers, the left-hander in this postseason for the Rangers. Five appearances, a 1-0 record, a 1.17 ERA. He pitched seven and two-thirds innings, five strikeouts, and no walks. So congratulations to Cody and his dynamic performance for the Rangers, making their epic World Series run, the first one ever in, in uh, franchise history. And then for Jason McClellan, the former running back who's now at Alabama, 14 carries, 63 yards, and a touchdown against LSU, and Alabama's 42-28 victory this past Saturday night as the Crimson Tide gained control of the SEC West. Uh, for McClellan, he is the leading rusher for the Crimson Tide with 632 yards. He's also uh, rushed for one, or excuse me, caught passes for 114 yards in his 
journey there with the Crimson Tide. He's been gone a long time, too. It's hard to believe he's been gone that long. But now we're joined by the quarter, the, uh, fu the uh, present and the future of the quarterbacking situation here at Alito High School. To my immediate left is the guy making his third appearance. That's Haas Haney. And to my far left is sophomore Gavin Beard. Guys, welcome. Thank you. Thank All right, so let's talk a little bit, Haas, about, of course, you did not appear last week against Brewer. But, you know, as you have gone through this, you've gone through some some dings here and there throughout this. I want to ask you about just the mental challenge of going through a season when you do get this. You get a strain here, you get a ding here, that sort of thing, and just kind of holding up. What's what's kind of the mental thing that you have to approach to get through a week knowing that you're not going to play and just kind of dealing with frustration, things like that? You know, injuries are obviously a part of the game of football. You know, it's a physical sport and, you know, a physical demanding sport. So, you know, you just kind of have to take it head on and, you know, you know, a, a friend of mine showed me a video that, you know, when you got obstacles that come in your way, you just got to look at it as a good thing and, um, you know, figure out a way to, you know, come out of that injury, you know, better than what you were. So, you know, that of course I want to be on the football field, you know, every day that I can because it's a game that I love. But um, at the end of the day, everything happens for a reason. So, you know, sitting there, you know, pouting about it doesn't do you any good, doesn't do your team any good. So how can you just better yourself and get back as quickly to your team as possible? So... Um, it's been fine, of course. You know, last week, Gavin Beard, as a young sophomore, got to start in his first varsity game. And, you know, those, those reps when you're that young are critical for him. So um, as a starter, and, you know, I was hurt that week, you know, I was just mentoring him, you know, watching him. And it, it, was, it was fun to watch and, you know, see him develop as a quarterback. And, um, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about this. And I'm sure you were eager to come back on the field because you had a lot of frustrations against Denton Ryan two weeks prior there. But I want to – and I want to ask you about this because – you know, football is about adversity. That's kind of a microcosm of life, as coaches like to talk about. For you, dealing with what you dealt with in that game, even though you came up with the big touchdown run at the end, what do you learn from a game like that, just as a competitor and how you say, okay, I get it, and this is how I have to move forward with that? You know, when you go through a game like that, you, you, you have to move on to the next play, and you can't think about, you know, I mean, I threw two picks that game. It wasn't my best game, and I take ownership of that, and... You know, like I said, it wasn't my best game, but, you know, it's how you move forward. You can't, you can't let it, you know, take, you can't let the adversity take advantage of you, I guess I would say. And, you know, you just got to take it head on and, um, you know, move forward. And, you know, that, to score that game-winning drive, I just had to have trust in, you know, Coach Williams' play call and, you know, execute it. And that's what we did that last drive. We made a huge third-down conversion that led to me, you know, you know scoring on that game-winning drive. And... Um, you know, it's good, it's good for the whole team, too, as well. You know, our whole team faced adversity that game. You know, right. our defense had to make a lot of huge stops because, you know, the offense wasn't putting enough points on the board. And, you know, as our as an offensive unit, you know, you know, it allowed us to dig in and, you know, find out who we were. So Yeah, and you all had not been pushed pretty much since the Denton-Geyer game when that one had eight lead changes in it. And then you all, of course, won on the field goal at the gun. So maybe a game like this is probably the best thing that could have happened for you. you or at least you'd like to think so. Oh, especially going into playoffs, you know, going, you know, eight, eight, seven or eight weeks without being pushed, you know, going into playoffs, you get to round, shoot, it could be round one. Ra rounds one through five are going to be, you know, one-score games possibly. So that's just battle-testing us and, you know, you know, making our team, uh, you know, more battle-tested, I guess you would say. So we're ready for those big-time moments when, hey, it's third and 14. How do we respond? hey, it's, it's fourth and one for our defense. How do you get a stop right there? So those games are big time, and, and they pay off when you get further down the road in playoffs. And these are the types of games, too, where it's not so much the physical, where it's the mental challenge of playing the game, too. Because you can have all the abilities that you want, 
But then it comes down to believing that you can do it and having the psyche to handle it too, I would suspect. Yeah, and that goes back to team chemistry. You know, you know, there, there's teams out there that probably have more talent than us, but you know, they don't go through the offseason that we go through. They don't have that team bond that we go. They don't have that trust in each other that we have. And you know, there's a lot of teams with individuals out there. And I think the difference for our team is we got a team that has trust in each other once, uh, first of all. And, you know, we're willing to, you know, put our bodies on the line for each other and for our team and for our families that watch and pour into us, that are watching the stands, for our coaches that, you know, work 12-hour days that are up at, up, at the, up at the field house from, you know, 6 to 6 o'clock in the afternoon, you know, making sure that, you know, making sure that we have a, a good chance of winning a football game. So you just do it to the people, do it, do it for the people that pour into you. And that's what a lot of the players on our team do is, you know, they're doing it for something bigger than themselves. And, you know, you know, I'll, I'll mention this is doing it for the glory of God. I feel like a lot of guys on our team, you know, know that their purpose is, you know, bigger than themselves and bigger, bigger than, um, you know, self-glorification. But you're doing it for the glory of God. And, um, you know, I've, I've, I've spread that word throughout our team that don't forget, you know, who you are as an individual. And, Yeah. As we bring in uh, Gavin here, okay, so Gavin, of course, this has been a wide-eyed for you, just make, you know, being his backup there. What's mm -hmm. this been? Just take me through this journey this year, because you immediately got thrown into the fire, I think, in the second quarter against Parish Episcopal in the season opener, and then you've been able to get snaps a quarter here, half there, that sort of thing. What's this experience been like for you, just start to start to where we are now? Um, it's been awesome, just uh, learning behind Haas, and uh, just being able to go out there and play, um, and it was awesome uh, against Brewer because that was actually like meaningful snaps and going with the ones especially like um, yeah it was just really important football I feel like and everything like going in um, like before Brewer it was just preparing me for that game and uh, I knew I was gonna have to step up at some point uh, this year and that was just God's way of uh, throwing that in there so yeah um, yes sir okay so let's just talk a little bit about just going through that game itself against yes, Brewer uh, because you, you guys obviously start quickly with the touchdown, then you kind of bog down in the second, yeah. later the part of the first quarter, and then the second quarter. But the way that you all responded in the third quarter, three perfect drives, you obviously throw your first touchdown pass at the varsity level. What was that like for you to just kind of go through those lulls and then come back and play the way you did in the third quarter? Yeah, we definitely didn't come out hot. Um, we, Coach Jones mentioned it, I think, earlier. We didn't uh, play our brand of football the first half, and uh, we had to go back to the drawing board and uh, come out the second half, and we executed, and we played well the second half and put a good score uh, in on those at the end of the game on the scoreboard but yeah okay so let's talk a little bit about two because the speed of the varsity game now you got a couple of uh, snaps last year uh, I did, yes, yeah sir. and i think it was against brewer last year maybe it was the season maybe it was the second of the last game i know uh, the colony you got snaps. Yeah, the colony was yeah, the yeah. colony you got snaps in that one okay so let's just but the speed of the game now because of the fact that you face it i would suspect <laughs> that facing brewer on friday didn't face you from start to finish. I mean, you had seen enough of it during the course of a season to kind of say, yeah, I yeah. get the speed of the game. Just take me through that a little bit. Yeah, it's definitely different than, like, JV. I mean, you got to play with him, anticipation, and, um, like, especially chemistry is a big deal um, with your guys because, like, you can't just throw it up anymore. you got to play um, smart, make the right reads, and uh, it's going to bite you in the butt if you don't... Uh, do the right things. Okay, and it seemed like to me, though, in this game against Brewer, where they were anticipating snap counts. I mean, they were rushing a ton of guys. Yeah. They were trying to put more hats on your hats to try and throw you off a little bit. 
When did you kind of identify that, and then what adjustments did you all make against that? Uh, we, they were dropping, uh, they were taking away the deep ball, and then, yeah, they were blitzing a lot on, like, third down. So we would just try to take advantage of the flats underneath and uh, given what the defense took up, uh, gave us. Now, your touchdown pass to Hawking is very reminiscent to Haas's opening play of the season when he swung it out yeah, to Ray Gillery yeah. that went for 75. Same play? Or was it or, or um, very, or similar, a little bit similar, of a variation? Yeah. It was similar. The Rays was out of the backfield. Hawks was... He was at slot receiver. Okay. But, you know, same thing. Same thing. You get a block yeah. downfield. I mean, this is the value of why your receivers are asked to block downfield because yeah. you never know if something can get sprung. Oh, it can be the difference in a game. If it's, you know, third and 12 and you throw a swing pass and your outside receiver whiffs on a block in the corner, <laughs> you know? Sure, yeah. <laughs> That's so, important. So, so as you're okay, so Gavin, as you're watching Hawk break this down the sideline, yeah. thinking he's going to score, this is going to be my first varsity touchdown. What's going through your mind? Um, I was really excited, but um, it's it's happened a couple before. Uh, it's happened like I was supposed to score a couple times earlier in the season, but I got called back. But yeah, I was just happy there was no penalties and uh, it's confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so just going through this off season because I'm going to take you back to spring football and working with Haas and just getting to know each other and knowing the understanding, just the nuances of playing the position at the varsity level. What was that chemistry like developing that with him and just the relationship of what is it going to take to play of, at the varsity level and be the heir apparent, the starting quarterback at Alito? Yeah, um, you said spring, right? Yeah, spring ball. Yeah, just yeah. getting to the, just starting to go through that offseason with him and that sort of thing. Yeah, just being intuitive about everything we're doing, um, taking intention in what every single pass and every single thing we can't just slack off and practice and um yeah being decisive with our reads and everything um being specific about what we're doing and yeah okay and you get to be the old man here i mean yeah, you I'll, get to, you i'll get, say this about gavin you know <laughs> he, he's a young sophomore quarterback and he's a backup on varsity it can be really easy to you know slack off and you know not to take advantage of the backup reps that you get you yeah. know at the end of the day, you know you're probably not going to see the field as much as the starter does, which, I mean, that, that's, that's what it's supposed to be like. I mean, I mean, unless when you're playing, you know, easy teams, then he's going to get in the second half. But, you know, he, he's taking advantage. You know, he's preparing himself for when he is the starter for the next two years because the snaps that he's doing right now are preparing him for the next two years. And he's gone about his business really well. And in practice, he's, he's, trying, to, he's trying to better himself and, you know, make sure he's ready for when his number does get called. And his number did get called in Brewer. And he, and, he, and he did his job and played well in, Brewer, in the Brewer game. So, you know, props to Gavin because, you know, like I said, he's young and it's easy to, you know, slack off and, um, you know, kind of not, I don't know, just... He's not going through the motions. He's, right. he's taking advantage of every opportunity he gets. But you get to play mentor here and kind of just guide him along here as he's learning this on the, on the fly, so to speak, from you know, basically when the offseason started in late December, early January. Who are we kidding? It's January 1st when yeah. it gets started. But anyway, but, but even so, as you're going through those workouts... And then when spring ball starts in May, I have to think that you kind of had it. You you had the opportunity to take him under your wing and kind of say, "This is how it's done." For and sure. What, what was that like for you to kind of say, "I get to put my arm around your shoulder and say this, this, and this"? You know, I'm not much of a vocal leader when it comes to when I'm, on, when I'm out on the football field. You know, I like to lead by my actions, and so I'm hoping that's kind of rubbed off on him a little bit. You know, just going through PC this summer and then obviously last spring, but um. You know, he, he's going to have the keys to the team for the next two years, and I want to make sure the team's in, in good hands. So, um, you know, I, I care that I, I care about, you know, what I'm, what I'm representing when I'm around him and what I'm doing off the field too. So, you know, I hope he just learns from, you know, 
my leadership skills that you know I think I got pretty good leadership skills when it comes to you know leading a football team but you know I think I think he'll be ready to go for when his time comes what has it meant for you to just kind of watch him go day in and day out running a varsity football program uh, it's been awesome I just love I'd rather play but I like like being behind Haas especially because just how good he is and how intentional he is with um, um, everything that he does off and on the field um, but yeah okay and then but I would imagine too that this was kind of been like an experience you like soaking everything up like a sponge for sure I yeah. mean is that I mean just like just how do you run meetings how you just go through just your day-to-day -day work and just how you interact with teammates in the locker room I mean those things you ever pick up on or just those, those yeah, little no, nuances he's, just, he's a leader um, in the locker room and just the way he carries himself I just want to take after him when I uh, step into that role next year next so, years. so playing three quarters because obviously Lincoln Tubbs played the fourth quarter against Brewer number 88 by the way how fun <laughs> was that that we got to see the number 88 playing the backup quarterback at Brewer on uh, Friday but anyway but just having those snaps and just going through a game like that heaven forbid whatever happens in the playoffs but the fact that you've had all that if your numbers call what will that experience against brewer mean for you if indeed they need you yeah it'll definitely give me it's giving me a lot more confidence going into uh, future games i i pray that haas doesn't get hurt but if my number is called again then i i'll have more confidence because there was definitely nerves going into brewer but uh, i got my groove i was it was fine Maybe that first snap, or maybe the yeah. first time you get hit, or something like that, or just or, you know, whatever the case may be, kind of gets that out of you and say, okay, it's a football game, we got to play. Pop back right up and get ready to go again. Yeah. Okay, so let's just talk a little bit about Haas, about uh, the about the Wolves from Shoemaker High School. Very explosive on offense, very good defensive team. What stands out about you as you've been working on preparing for this game? And they got really talented DBs. You know, Coach Jones mentioned they're very fast, and you know, that's going to be a task to you know attack, but. Um, and they got linebackers that are very smart, and they like to drop back in the coverage. And you know, they cover passing lanes really well, and they're very skilled and very smart. And you know, they're, they're, they got a really good nose tackle who's going to give us problems. But we're, you know, we'll, we'll game plan. You know, you know, cover him up. But um, you know, we just got to play smart football and play our brand of football that we know how to play. And you know, we just got to go out there and execute. And I think we'll be just fine. But you know, we get we got to take it day by day, and you know, take advantage of these these this. We got one practice tomorrow, and then a walk through on Wednesday. So these next few snaps that we got tomorrow are going to be really crucial for our preparation for them. But like you said, they're they're very good, and um, you know, we just got to go play our brand of football, and we'll be just fine. You know, it doesn't matter if it's regular season or even in the postseason. But when you do have a shorter week, how does that change the preparation just for getting ready for a game? I mean, like I said, you got two days, so you know every every snap that you have in practice is crucial because you know you're not going to have many chances to you know redo that rep because you don't got three days of practice. And, you know that three day that that third day of practice makes a difference because you can clean things up. But you know tomorrow things got to be cleaned up and we got to get in our groove because you know Wednesday is our walkthrough. Can you feel the sense of urgency again? I mean, it's obvious. I mean, this program has won 11 state championships, the most in Texas high school football history, but is the urgent but can you feel the urgency because this once the clock ended at zeros uh at brewer last week then it's like okay game on and this is the push there's definitely a sense of urgency i w urgency and just excitedness because this i mean I, i'm going back to last year but this is the most fun time of playing football you know playoff football i mean last year was just an amazing time i'm looking forward to that this year because you know just that atmosphere just not knowing what's going to come next you know your season's on the line you got the crowd yelling you know you got you got your teammates hyped up wondering what's going to happen so you know there's a sense of urgency knowing that you know we want to go 
go six and zero these next couple weeks, and you know make it the state championship. But you know the point, the importance is just taking it day by day, not looking too far into the future, and you know focus on your opponent that week, and you know controlling what you can control, which is you know coming in every day and you know focusing on what you got to do to be the best football player, and especially me being a senior and all the other seniors is. You can't leave any regrets on the table. You got to leave no doubt, and you know that's been that was that was my message this week, and that I send out to the guys. We have to leave no doubt, and you know leave no regrets. That man, I should have strained a little bit more to make that tackle or that catch. You know I should have you know I should have studied more film. You know on this team, and I, I could have made that play. I could have recognized this coverage. I could have recognized this offensive play that they're running. And so, you know we're we're gonna leave no doubt these next couple of weeks. All right. And then for Gavin, for you, because of the fact that this is your first time to go through something like this. I mean, you were on the sidelines last year going through the journey, but this is different because you're involved in this week-to-week preparation. What's it? How can you can you feel that urgency? Can yeah, you no, feel that intensity? Yeah, it's definitely exciting, and uh, yeah, urgency is there for sure. I just we just want to go out and win every game because yeah, like you said, our season is on the line every week. So just a sense of urgency and a sense of uh, we got to prepare better like we haven't before. And yes, sir. All right. Guys, always appreciated. To my immediate left is the TCU commit and the senior. That is Haas Haney. Then to my far left, he is the future starting quarterback for the Alito Bearcats. That is Gavin Beard. Folks, let him know that you're happy to have him with us today. And then in our third segment, our special third segment, we're going to have everybody from the cross-country teams up here in just a little bit. That's going to be head coach Mike Pinkerton and then selected members from the cross-country teams. In a couple of minutes, coming up right next, you're listening to the Hank FM Coaches Podcast Show that is here for the Alito ISD, and it's here at Jake's on 1187. We're coming right back after a couple of minutes. And we're back for our special third segment of the Alito Coaches Podcast Show here on Hank FM. This reminder that it is brought to you by H5 Sports Barn. H5 Sports Barn and Knife Physio and Performance can help unlock your athletic potential and elevate your game like the Alito Bearcats. With expert sports physical therapy, tailored recovery plans, and top-notch sports performance training. H5 Sports Barn, proud supporters of the Alito Bearcats. Well, it shows you I've been pretty old in doing these Alito games because the man sitting to my left here is the head cross-country coach and Mike Pinkerton. We're celebrating the cross-country teams who had an outstanding performance down in Round Rock at the state meet, but uh, Mike Pinkerton and I go back to when Mike was coaching the girls' basketball team, so that shows you that we're both old, right, Mike? It's, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, there you go. <laughs> but anyway, let's, so let's just talk about this because Mike moved over to running the cross-country team seven seasons ago, and this is all he's had in his resume. State qualifier teams on the girls' side, 2022, 2023. Then he had individual uh, performances, uh, individual runners in 2017 and 2019. That was Gracie Morris who finished third in 2017 and then second in 2019. On the boys' side, he had teams qualify in 2019, 2021, and then, of course, this year. Individually, he had Graydon Morris, the individual champion, from 2017, 2018, and 2019. And then Isaac Hernandez finished 25th in 2020. Now, this team... This year, pretty historic in its own right. The girls won meets at Birdville Cowtown College, the Texas A&M Invitational. Then they won the District 5-5A Championship, won what is believed the first Region 1 Championship out at May Simmons Park in Lubbock. And then the boys won the Cowtown uh, Challenge as well as the District 5-5A Championship. That's it. 
That's all your teams have done. That's it. That's, That's it. First of all, congratulations, Mike, on an outstanding season. What Thank was you. this season like to go through getting these runners ready? Because this is such a want-to sport. You either want to run or you don't. So Very what true. Was it, so what's that been like, just what, getting this program to this point and then seeing both these young men and these young women uh, have the kind of season that they have? It's been fantastic. Uh, first and foremost, these, these student-athletes work hard. They really work hard. And what I've seen over time is the work ethic that they've instilled in themselves kind of bleeds over to the rest of the team. So everybody is working hard. You know, and these workouts, I think a lot of people don't know about how these workouts get started in August when it's hot. And they have to run, like, starting at 5 a.m. in the morning, maybe 6, if it's, and that's the latter part of the time when they get started running. But that, that right. commitment there on that. So just for those who don't follow cross-country on a day-in and day-out basis, how do you structure the workouts, and then how do they kind of do it individually themselves? Because they know what they have to put in each week mileage-wise. Right, correct. We have structured practices, team practices, uh, pretty much five days a week if we don't have uh, a meet on a, on a certain day. But then they have to get some extra mileage in on their own so that we hit a mileage goal each week. And so, so. for you, did you think this kind of season for both sides was capable? Both of them getting to the state meet. The girls obviously had this tremendous season. They finished, and I kind of buried the, they buried the lead. They were the state runners up at the 5A state meet down in Round Rock. But uh, did you think that this kind of season was possible because of who you had returning, who you had coming into the program? Absolutely. Absolutely. Based on, based on the runners we had coming back and what I knew about the runners that were coming in, I knew we could have a very exceptional season, both guys and girls. Talent-wise, is it more or less talent, or is it more about just training and intensity and focus? Or what do you think it really comes down to, putting together a cross-country team that's going to be, and it's not just a one-year thing, it kind of has to be a program unto itself. Very true, yes. Uh, I think it's a combination of the two. Um, you've, got, you've got some of them that have the talent, you know, but talent does you no good if you don't work. And then you've got the kids who uh, might not be as talented, but they work. You know, and, and we're fortunate we've got a combination of both. And as far as, you know, the way that this team put together this season, was there any meet this year that kind of reaffirmed what your hopes were for this? Was it, was it Birdville? Was it the A&M Invitational? Heck, was it even the 5-5-A meet? Or what, what was it that maybe said, you know, I was right. I, th I think we've got a shot to really do something special this I year. Think, I think it really started early at the South Lake Carroll meet. We ran, of course, South Lake Carroll uh, is notorious for, for getting some really good times. And, you know, all the teams go there to get really good times. We got some really exceptional times. And knowing that, you know, the South Lake course is easier than a lot of the other courses, you know, it was a matter of time and seeing how we did at some of the other courses, but the times didn't drop off that much, you know, and that's, that, you know, that's what I told the guys and girls. Uh, we were kind of flying under the radar until that South Lake Carroll meet, and then all of a sudden they're getting interviewed by Mile Split, and <laughs> we're not a secret anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then and then on the boys' side, same thing. Was it was it the Cowtown Challenge? Was it the District Meet? Or when did you kind of think we got a shot here with this group to get them down around Rock? Again, I think it was the uh, South Lake Carroll Meet. 
at the same time. So let's talk about these ladies individually. So at the state meet, Micah Neal finished seventh with a time of 18 minutes and 14 seconds. Molly Garrison was 12th, 18 minutes, 24 seconds. Madison Larson, 22nd, 18 minutes, 46 seconds. Sophia Brandenburg and Michael Murray, 48th and 49th, respectively, each running 19 minutes, 25 seconds. There might have been a 10th in there that kind right. of separated them with those right. two. On the boys' side, as again, they finished 10th. Jack Fink was 20th overall with a time of 15 minutes and 55 seconds. Leighton Ibarra, I believe that's how you pronounce it. You can correct me if I'm wrong on that. That's correct. Okay, 46 overall uh, with a time of 16 minutes and 22 seconds. Dominic Barrera, 107th, 17 minutes and 11 seconds. Anderson Smith, 17 minutes and 13 seconds. He was 110th. And then Luke Shabel, uh, 112th, 17 minutes and 20 seconds. I think the one thing that stands out here, for those who don't know scoring for cross country, is that you've got to get these runners bunched together. They've got to be yes. really close because the closer they're together, the smaller score you get. That's correct. That's correct. And so the way that they ran together just kind of, you don't want to say that it's herd running, but at the same time, they kind of have to run like a herd. In that they, is, it, mm -hmm. is it them challenging each other out there on the course? Is it them just kind of knowing each other's... Yeah, all their tendencies to know I can I can catch up with her at this at this marker or I can pass her here but I know she can catch up with me here you know those types of things that follow into, into right. it well in in practice I'm sure they're tired of hearing me yell stay together stay together you know and when it came to the meets we always have you know one runner that'll that'll get out there and take the lead for us respectively and then it's a matter of the other ones trying to stay up as best they can you know with that runner um, had the fourth and fifth runners for the girls team were absolutely phenomenal came across the finish line in less than a second's time difference you yeah. know and and so that's that's really what it takes yeah so. it, it really comes down to when you want to meet it's got to, it's going to come down to your fourth and fifth runners you can have the top three runners all you want but it's going to come down to that depth with that fourth and fifth spot correct and so all right so Anything that you could say about what this group, what you, what you think this group is capable, because now you transition into the track season where they're going to be in the 1600s, 1800s, and the 3200s. So what's kind of their goal now, just what they're working on in this offseason? Because it's got to start pretty soon. I mean, we just stopped running on Friday, but that doesn't mean that you got to stop. But as you transition into track, how do those two kind of marry to each other so that you can still continue to maintain that high performance level at the cross-country uh, side of things? Number one is rest. Mm -hmm. We've got to take some rest. It's been a long time since August the 1st. So they need to take some rest. And when we get back and gear things up again, we're going to start in the same kind of direction that we started in cross country, the same kind of lifts in the weight room, things like that, things that the muscles, you know, the body is, is accustomed to. And the changes will take, take place really on the track, you know, the, the difference in distance and, and the difference in speed and things like that. All right, Mike, so, listen. Tremendous season. Congratulations on everything. I'm so happy for you guys to have that. It's fun to bring a team down there, but it's even more fun when you get to bring them both down there. Yes, that it is. It's a gratifying feeling, I would think. Very much so. All right. Yes. Now, we, uh, because several of these runners are with us, we're going to bring the ladies up first. So we're going to have Mike Neal and Sophia Brandenburg, and I think Michael Murray will be with us here. So, Mike, thanks so much for this. We're going to bring the ladies up here. Micah and Sophia, if you would come up here and join us. And so... All right, so we'll start with Micah Neal and Sophia Brandenburg. And uh, first of all, uh, Micah, uh, congratulations to you finishing seventh. Sophia, congratulations to you finishing 40th. 
Can, how exciting was this for you guys to get back to, uh, to compete at the state in Round Rock? Just what was the excitement like? Together again, like we used to like compete together when we were younger, and just to come back and compete together again, it's been a great blessing. Okay, then for you, Sophia, let's talk a little bit about uh, just the the key of, of you all running together and running it, staying together, like Coach Pinkerton has talked about. Can you talk about from your side of things as runners how valuable that is during the course of a season? What that means winning meets and see and being competitive. So, I mean, it's definitely important to, like, train together. And we were out at there early, in the early mornings, like, throughout, all, like, throughout the whole season, just, like, together. And so running at practice really just translates into the race and just trying to stay as close to each other as possible because, like, obviously, the closer you are together, the lower that score is going to be and the closer we can be to getting a good placing. Now, if you all had heard this, uh, I mentioned to Coach Pinkerton, running is a want-to sport. You either want to do it or you don't. So... I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to ask you this too, uh, when you come up here, Michael, is what makes you want to do it? Um, I, I like... <laughs> <laughs> and putting her on the spot, but that's okay. I mean, to be able to compete, it's just like, it's been one of my dreams since I was young. So, I mean, I've always wanted to be at the top, like be one of those Olympians and to just be like them. And that's kept me going. Okay, and then for you, Sophia, just talk about what you want to, to to just get up at five in the morning, run, put all those miles in a week. What's the what's the desire to to do that day in and day out? I think ultimately the desire is just like the end, like the end prize, just seeing it all come together. And so, like, even though all those early mornings are tough and all, just remembering what like our goal is and what we have our eyes on is just like. It makes waking up easier in the morning, knowing that you have a whole team and like you're running for them and you're competing for them for like a goal of just getting to the top. The culture is important. It is. We're like a family. We've we've grown up together. We've and been running together since we were little. So winning district championships here for Alito Cross Country and both for the boys and girls is not something that has you know it happens a lot. But winning that regional championship, which again we believe is the first time that's ever happened, when you guys won that out in Lubbock, can you take me through the emotions when you all found out? We just won this thing. And I'll start with you, Micah. I mean, we kind of knew it was coming, but like, <laughs> um, you know, putting in that work, I mean, it made us feel even better about winning because we know we like worked hard for this and we deserved it. History, but I mean, it's history too. I mean, you guys, you guys will be forever remembered as the first regional championship team in Alito history. Do you think about that? I mean, do you think about that, Sophia? I mean, what you all accomplished on that? I just think it's, it's just, it's crazy to think about how like, especially last year finishing 10th at the state meet and then coming together this year to not only win regionals but then get second at state it's just it was a big deal for all of us and we knew it was coming like Micah said because we had been putting in the work we saw what we were doing at practice and the times that were just dropping throughout the season so it was just cool to see it all come together and then uh Michael I'll ask you one question then I'll let you go so we can bring up uh, Michael here and, and that is just just your leadership and just, you know, just being a leader for, for this group. What does that mean? Because you've been usually the first runner for this, for this team. And of course, you're individual champion in the, in the regional meet. But when you have to set a tone or when you kind of have to set the tempo for your team, what's in, what things do you feel like you have to impress upon your teammates so that that can still, so the cohesiveness can still be there? Um, to like, I need to keep up the pace, you know. I know everybody's going to, we're all like in a tight pack, so just like, push the pace so we can all like you know go faster and 
which will increase our placing in state and future meets. All right. Listen, Micah, thanks for you. And then we'll have uh, Michael come up here and join us. And uh, Sophia, I want to ask you a little bit about uh, just going down to Round Rock. And I'll ask Michael Murray this here in just a few moments. But just going down to Round Rock. And you guys knew the challenge that Lucas Lovejoy was going to have down there, was going to have. But I wanted to ask you just a little bit about what your expectations were, what your strategy was at Old Settlers Park and Round Rock, and what you guys thought you were capable of doing down there. Just take us through the, the whole the whole morning down there on Friday. So we like, throughout this whole season, we knew that Lovejoy is, they're obviously like really strong competitors. Um, and we knew that at state, we just, like we've been saying, we've had to run as close together as possible in order to keep that score down. Um, and we know like, obviously this year we got second, but going forward, we have big goals to catch them. And I think we can, if we just continue to work hard. Did you all think that you could catch them this year? Or did you feel like we, if you or was the goal, we can get top three. What was kind of the expectation? I think this year we took it as a stepping stone to ultimately just catch them in the next two years. All right. And then uh, we're joined by Michael Murray. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Okay. So, Michael, if you'll put your mic just a little bit closer to your mouth here. and then Okay. So, I want to ask you a little bit about just being a part of this cross-country team here and just going down to state and what your expectations were and just competing. What was that like for you just mentally as you're going through the race itself on Friday? Mentally, I was just trying to lead and like stay close to my teammates as much as possible because I know the closer we were together we would drop our points and it would make us have a higher ranking going up into getting second at state but that was basically my mindset okay and then I, I, I'm not gonna let you get away with this because I asked each of them what what your why was and so what makes you want to do this I mean because this is a sport where it's it's all individual it's all mental you all you have to have the motivation to do it day after day so for you just take us through what is your want to do this I've always wanted to make it big like get to the Olympics and actually be a part of that big organization and that makes me want to get up every morning and work hard in what we did this season it just makes that journey just one step closer to that big goal okay for so for you you all have run on different types of surfaces this year the tracks could be fast could be dry or you've run through marshy stuff or whatever and it's been unfriendly and so your times will be impacted by that so michael i'm going to ask you when you get to different types of courses Whatever, the t whatever it's like running on them, what's kind of the adjustment you have to make? Like, on the course, like if it was like hills and stuff like that, and you'd be like, you have to drive harder, you have to like go faster, you have to watch your footing, like just different types of stuff to prepare the day before. And then for you, Sophia? Um, like, I feel like a lot of people think it's just like, you get out there and you run, but Obviously, like, the course does affect your performance, so it's more technical than you think because you just have to, like, remember, like, getting up the hills, pick up your knees, and just, like, obviously, when we're on a flat course, we're all going to, like, fly, so you just have to keep up, and it's, like, each course is different, and we obviously went into, like, those races just knowing what we had to do differently to perform well. Well, we talk about this, and I'm going to ask Jack Fink and Luke Shable here when they come up here in just a few moments, but I'm going to ask you about you know, the, the pace that you all have to individually set throughout the course of a race, and that is you can start slow, but then they talk about that kick at the end. So when for you personally, and I'll start with you, Michael, about when for you do you feel like when you get toward the end, like I've got to, this is when i got to push at the end. Take me through that. I would say like maintaining a pace for the first two 
and a half miles, and then the last like 800 is like, okay, you really have to go to finish and have a good hard kick at the end, but also making sure that you have enough at the end too. And how do you know that? I guess is that is that just knowing your body itself and what it what it can withstand? I think it's just with trust. Like I've worked so hard the whole season, I just have to trust that I'll have enough at the end and just give it my all and just let whatever happens happens. And then for you, Sophia. I mean, obviously, we go out, like, the beginning of the race is fast because you don't want to get caught in the back. Obviously, the goal is to win. And then settle into a pace, like Michael said, and she, she got it right on. She hit the nail. Um, the last 800, you start picking it up, and then I would say last 250 is when you're just, like, it's everything you have left. Like, you, you're not saving anything for, like, it's everything you have. I've seen it. I've covered enough cross-country meets in my lifetime when I've seen those facial expressions where it looks like, it's like death warmed over <laughs> you're about to you're about to pass out there but i mean but when you pass i have to think that that's really something as well that that's something extraordinary just like finishing a race but then the, the satisfaction of that what does that mean to you just when you cross i mean wherever you finish you finish but when you cross a finish line what does that mean to you when you finish a race Whenever I finish, it's just like a relief. <laughs> like I got, it was over. <laughs> but also knowing that I gave it my all, and that's all that matters. All right. And then for you, Sophia? I mean, like Michael said, just finishing the race, like knowing that you gave it your all, it's rewarding. So that's obviously like the goal. Just get to the finish line. Give it everything you have. And if you didn't do that one race, then that's what you work on the next. All right. Ladies, thank you so much. Now we're going to bring up Jack Fink and Luke Shabel here as they were part of the team that finished 10th overall in the uh, state meet. Nice job, ladies. Thank you. And thank you to Mike and Neil for joining us, too, for a few moments. Thank you, Mike, and congratulations on your season. Okay, one thing, a couple things too that I was just that it was just brought to my attention that Micah's granddad was the head men's basketball coach when Jim Ann was uh, was there. That was like only 15 years ago, right, Jim Ann? Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> and her mom was Haas's first babysitter too. So there you go. And then her dad Niall played basketball at TCU and won a world championship in Japan playing basketball there. So just a couple things on that. Okay, now we're joined by the boys. Uh, Jack Fink is to my immediate, is to my far left, and then Luke Shabel. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Luke, is that correct? Uh, Shabel. Shabel. Okay, thank you. Okay, that's why I ask here. But we're going live. But again, you guys finished tenth. Congratulations on your season. Just. Just talk about this, Jack. Let's let's talk about about just finishing tenth and what the goals were for this team this year. Yeah. So um, the team we were practicing really hard all season. Um, we knew that we had to work hard and work together, uh, not mess around. You know, uh, get out there and work hard and uh, do our best. Okay, and I'm going to ask you to put your mic a little okay. bit closer to you, and I'm going to ask you to do the same here, on Luke. Let's talk a little bit about as far as. Just when you felt like this year, when you guys felt like you had a shot to have a m remarkable season, was there any point during the season when you felt like this can be a really special year for us? I mean, I honestly felt that way last track season. I looked around like pretty much we're all coming back. Like, why not? <laughs> okay, so, you know, I was talking to Coach Pinkerton about this where he felt like when you all competed in the South Lake meet, the South Lake Carroll meet, that's when you kind of hit the stage and a lot of people around the state took notice of you. Well, I'm going to ask you about this, Jack, first, about just the fact that you 
What, what did you get out of that meet? So what I got out of that meet was that I can uh, push really hard in the race. I um, can go out really, really hard and keep pushing. And even though my uh, during the race my chest started really, really hurting. Um, <laughs> but I knew that um, even though I was hurting and I was sore, that I could push through it and that I could achieve um, my best potential during the race and that um, all I had to do was work really hard. Okay, and then for you, Luke, what, what, did you, what do you remember about that South Lake Carroll meet and what you felt like was the point where maybe you guys came of age or, or got onto the map as a team to be reckoned with this year? I mean, we kind of just saw that when we really run hard and we feel like we can't run faster, what we're running is just reckless. And then you finish the race with that. You're like, you look around. You're like, oh, we can, we can do this. And then, then after that race, we were slotted fourth in the region, which qualifies for state. And we're like, oh, this is this is completely doable. Mm-hmm. So I, I wanted to ask you too about the about the region one meet out there at May Simmons Park in Lubbock. Yeah. You guys get fourth. It was a tight finish there too. And I wanted to ask you about just just being on pins and needles when they're counting the points and that sort of stuff. I mean, you can kind of tell, think, I think we're in, but then you always kind of have to wait. So what was that moment like when you guys are, you finished, and then you're waiting for the, the points to be counted? Well, at first, uh, I was really nervous because um, I ended up getting 10th uh, overall for the stuff without the people that also went as teams. Um, and so uh, I knew that both me and... Um, one of my teammates, Layton, had qualified for state individually. But then I also didn't know if that was enough to push us over the edge t- for the team as, uh, yeah, the group um, as well to go to state. And um, it was nerve-wracking, and I was hoping and praying. I was getting nervous. I was like, oh, maybe. And then um, after a while, it, we found out that, yes, we did qualify. Okay, then for you, what was that? What were those moments like between end of the race and finding out you all had qualified for state? I mean, I kind of just put it out of my head. Like, I, I didn't want to think about it. I didn't want to get my hopes up. But once once they said we got fourth, I was like, woo <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so let's just talk about the Old Settlers Park. It's a great track. I mean, it's, it's got its shares of hills. It's got its share of flat spots. And so let's talk about this the strategy of going through that course and what it was like for you. I'm going to start with you, Luke, on this and just die, you know, just going through that. And so what was the important thing for you about the stretches of just having to navigate through that course? Uh, you, you really got to focus. You, you hit three main hills, and, and those will make or break your race. Like one's right off the start. If you don't get up that hill, you're, you're going to be in the back, and you have to weave. And then there's a, on the second lap, there's two that you hit, uh, same one twice. And, and if you don't get up that hill... Uh, you'll put yourself in a bad position in the start, and then towards the end of the race, if you fall back, it's really hard to get back up there with the rest of the pack. And then for you, Jack. So uh, regarding regionals at um, the race, um, yeah, like Luke said, the uh, hill is right off at the start, and me personally, I did not uh, get up the hill as fast as I should have, and uh, I was in a bad placement, but um, I knew that I needed to get up and weave through, the people and um, work and use the flat spots in the course and the downhills to eventually gain my spot and um, just push through the hills and uh, work hard. Finishing 10th, what did that mean to you guys? It'll start with you, Jack. It was um, a great accomplishment. I was really excited. Um, I was pretty happy with my performance um, and uh, I knew that 
the season had paid off the season's work. Um, getting up at 4.40 in the morning and getting to practice at 5.40 and uh, just knew that it, it did pay off. I, I worked and it was really, it was really accomplishing. And then for you, I mean, we we've grown up and we've heard the names like Isaac Hernandez and Grayson Morris and Bryson Boss all the time. But to to get tenth and place pretty well at state with just us, it, it was it felt big because it's like, man, this is this is us now. It's not it's not some guy that we just read about. It's it, 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 these are these are my brothers. And so okay, so I asked the ladies this, so now I'm going to ask you guys this. Okay, you just mentioned this too a moment ago, Jack, about. You know, getting up at 4:40, the want to to want to do this. I, I've always, in my reporting career, which is 100 years ago, but I've always been intrigued by the runners, the want to, the desire to do it. So, what is your want to to do this? My want to is um, for. Let's see. <laughs> get None of us have a good answer. I don't want to do it, but no. I'm just going to do it anyway. And so, yeah, uh, getting up at 4:40 in the morning is it, it's hard. Um, but I know that throughout the season, if I do it and I have the mental willpower to do it, um, that it will pay off in the end. Um, I, it will get me better. It will get me mentally stronger. Um, overall, it makes me a better person. Um, I do it for my friends and my family and our God. Um, it, it just really makes uh, me a better person for all of them. And then for you, Luke. What is your want to? I mean, God's God's given me the ability, the desire, and the opportunity to run, um, and for me, it's it's using that for His glory, and not mine. So that that's kind of what I think about: is how how can I use this platform and this this area to glorify God? Now, Coach Pinkerton talked about the fact that this is the time to rest. So during this time of rest, before you guys, yeah, I know you're you're shrugging your shoulders, saying, "What does that mean exactly?" But but that being said, Jack, but. What's, what's important, though, about this time of year for you guys to switch over to the track season? Let's start, start with what you think about So, um, currently, I am not resting. Um, <laughs> Just finished the season on Friday. Yeah, well, um, I have um, running lane on December 2nd, so I'm actually training until then. Okay. But um, after that, I will be taking a break until around um, mid-January when we start for track. December 3rd. <laughs> for you, yeah, um, not me. I'll be sometime in uh, January, but um, yeah, just taking the break, um, resting my legs. Um, my season is very long because I go from um, in the beginning of the year I go from uh, school track um, straight into uh, summer track with club, and then after that I go straight into um, Alito School Cross Country, and then after, right after that, I go into uh, Club Cross Country, and then that whole time from Jan mid January to December, first week of December, um, it's constant running. Um, I have days off, but there's no like week breaks in between or anything. So my season is very long. Um, I use that month or so uh, break from end of uh, the like second week of December to mid-January, um, and I just completely rest. Okay, and then for you, Luke? I, um, I just take a couple weeks off, hit the reset button, and then it's just to get, get to business in the weight room, get flexible, 
um, and then start putting in miles again, just getting ready for track and looking forward to that. And then you're, uh, you're 16 and 3200 in, uh, in track, is that correct for both of you, or what are your events in track? Uh, yes, I have the 16 and 32. Okay, and then for you? Uh, 816. Okay. And that's just a, a preference, or is that what you, uh, or is that what you feel like will get you ready for the, the cross-country season in the fall? That's what I like running more. All right, gotcha. Okay, this has been a magnificent evening here. We're celebrating the cross-country teams. Our thanks to Mike Pinkerton, the head coach, who, and then, of course, the ladies here who finished second. That's Micah Neal, Sophia Brandenburg, and Michael Murray. And then for Luke Schauble, I got it right, Luke Schauble and Jack Fink. Thank you all for being with us here on the Coaches Show podcast. Again, a tremendous season for the cross-country teams. The girls finished second at State of the 5A meet. The boys finished 10th. Don't forget the Bearcats open up their push for a 12-state championship. That'll be this coming uh, Thursday evening. 7 o'clock is the kickoff. 6.30 is the pregame show on Hank FM. I'm Kevin Lonquist. Thank you all for joining us. We'll talk to you next week. Take care. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Alito Bearcats Coaches Show podcast, brought to you by H5 Sports Barn in Alito, with Bearcats head coach Robbie Jones and the voice of the Bearcats, Kevin Longquist. Please like and subscribe to this podcast and tell a friend. You're also welcome to join us in person every Monday night at 7 from the New Jake's Burgers, 601 FM, 1187 in Alito. And then listen to every Alito Bearcats game, home and away, live on 92.1. Hank FM on the free 92.1 Hank FM app or online at 921hankfm.com. The Alito Coaches Show podcast is a production of real country. Hank FM.